Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the club that you didn't want to join. We're the voice of rare disease, and this jingle doesn't rhyme. My name is Matthew Zachary, and welcome to NordPod, right here on the Offscript Media Network. Now, I've been advocating on behalf of cancer and rare disease patients for over 20 years. Why? Because I am one. NordPod is the official podcast of the National Organization for Rare Disorders. And a quick reminder before we get started, that if you like the show, please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts because it helps other listeners like you discover the show. Now, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to NordPod, the voice of rare disease. My name is Matthew Zachary, your host. And today on the show, we are welcoming Christopher Anselmo, the Director of Market Intelligence at the Muscular Dystrophy Association. He is a patient advocate in the muscular dystrophy space. Why? Because he has muscular dystrophy. He's got an incredible story. You know, you shouldn't have to get hit by a bus to find out you have a rare disease. But that's kind of his story. You know, it's hard enough to be in your 20s and be well, let alone dealing with a debilitating chronic disease that is manageable, but it takes its toll on the way you need to live your life. Isolation, fear, employment, insurance, dating, family planning, identity, torn apart. How do you manage that? What are your guardrails, your handrails? How do you find your tribe? All of that is discussed in a very heartfelt, meaningful way. So without further ado, please enjoy my interview with Christopher Anselmo. Welcome, Chris Anselmo to NordPod. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, I want to dig into this story. I think we mentioned we were chatting before the show that I, I'm a 26-year cancer survivor. And the way in which uh, I was, I, they discovered that I had this thing in my head because I was like, whatever, was because I'm a, I was a pianist. And my left hand stopped working, which is, you know, you would know that right away if you're a professional pianist. But <laughs> there's only got to be a way to laugh at this. It's so so dark and, and not okay that this happened to you. But it, it, based on what I was reading about you, the healthy kid that got hit by a car and it wound up saving your life. To, is that fair to put it that way? I was in a car accident. So I wasn't actually, well... <laughs> Felt like I was hit by a car. Um, it hit my side of the car that I was driving in. Okay, so you you were you were uh, crashed I, into. Um, yeah, it was my senior year of high school. My friend was driving me home from the movies, and we got t-boned by a uh, pickup truck. And 
Yeah, that just kind of led me on my diagnostic journey. Obviously, the immediate concern at the time of the accident was, you know, was I okay from the accident? Did I break any bones? Did I have any internal bleeding? Thankfully, I didn't. But right when I was about to be discharged from the hospital, a doctor came in saying, wait a minute, we need to take you back into x-rays. Your blood work was came back really abnormally. You have this protein, this, of course, I'd learn later, it's called creatine kinase, which is basically a marker of muscle breakdown and damage should be only a few hundred was like 30,000. It was something astronomically high. Right. So they were worried that I had suffered an internal injury. They did more x-rays. They determined I hadn't, but they weren't really sure what was causing this because it was really abnormal. So they just suggested that I see a endocrinologist. They thought maybe it might be liver related. Went to the endocrinologist. They determined it wasn't. Sent me to a rheumatologist. Rheumatologist did, did a few tests, suggested no, it's probably muscle related. Sent me to the neurologist, oh, and they got a, a biopsy. And so this was all about... How many years was this over? It was about 10 months. Okay. So just timing-wise, it happened October of my senior year, the car accident. I finally got a diagnosis while I was actually at college orientation um, August the following year. So on one hand, I was relieved that I finally knew what was wrong, but I also didn't quite understand what she was telling me on the phone she's like yeah you have this like underlying muscle disease don't worry about it now but this might be something you want to look into later on oh by the way like don't run any marathons don't become a bodybuilder which i'm like okay i wasn't going to do that anyways i hate exercising so as long as it didn't affect me i had no reason to think about it and i guess in retrospect i was kind of lucky because i didn't really have any symptoms in college so I actually got diagnosed before I even had symptoms, which I don't know if anybody else that's happened to that has my condition. Well, it, it just goes back to like the happenstance of, you know, the sliding doors theory. Like if only this happened or that happened or this happened. My my brother-in-law uh, was, uh, I think was 13 and fell on a skateboard as you're supposed nice. to kind of do, I guess, when you're 13. And when he was in the hospital being looked at, they found a tumor on his spine that they would never have thought to find unless he was getting scanned because he had the skateboard accident. So there were so many stories in that vein of, of how would this have gone completely differently if that driver woke up five minutes later that day uh, that you were hit. I think about that a lot, you know, like what if the car accident didn't happen? It's like, well, that I wouldn't have been diagnosed because they wouldn't even have thought to look for that particular they wouldn't have run that blood panel that would have come back with that result. So my introduction to my disease could very well have been just what ended up happening was just unexplained muscle weakness, which obviously had an explanation because I knew I had the disease, but you know, if that had happened to me and I didn't know why that could have been a very different disease trajectory. Didn't make it much easier knowing, but at the same time, you know, just, I guess I had a little bit of a head start. I mean, that, that kind of blunted the impact a little bit, but it still was very difficult to find out. I think it's interesting to talk about how, you know, it's 2022 as we record this show, and this was 2004-ish, around the time that you said, I, you have this, and there was kind of no internet, or maybe there was like internet light or whatever the hell dial-up and DSL was back then. Or Did your university have internet? 56K. Yeah. Did you have internet at the university? Yeah, I mean... I think DS, DSL maybe. Yeah, DSL. It was uh, which was like the hot new thing then. 
I mean, today we like rush to Google. Google really wasn't a thing anyone rushed to in the early 2000s. Was this like a freak out for you? Did your your family go, oh, my God, what's going on? Or like, how did you, if you did, settle into the fact that they said, oh, just don't don't be a marathon runner. Don't do anything excessive in your life and, and good luck. I think the way that they framed it was kind of reassuring to the point where like I didn't really think much about it. So my neurologist told me, yes, you have this disease, which it's got many different names. There really isn't a great precise name for it. But at the time they had called it dysferlinopathy, which just means that uh, muscle disease for people that lack the dysferlin protein. So they gave me this diagnosis. I did, you know, a little bit of internet searching. I don't even remember if I even actually like clicked on any of the links to the site, um, like a, you know, Wikipedia or whatever. I don't even know if there was a Wikipedia entry at the time, but whatever I found out or, or didn't find out, it didn't really leave much of an impression on me because my whole attitude was I'm going to college. I feel fine. You know, as long as I don't have any symptoms, you know, why should I be worrying about this? And as luck would have it, I made it through college without really anything noticeable that made me think, you know, there might be this disease starting. In retrospect, looking back, I can probably pinpoint a few instances where that was the case. Maybe I was at the gym. I wasn't gaining strength as fast as somebody should be, or I was running. Maybe I think for whatever reason, one time I was running up a few flights of stairs in my apartment in school. And I just remember getting really tired by the end. My legs kind of tightened up, which thinking back now, I think was probably like one of the very early symptoms of the disease. But at the time, I just thought that I was out of shape. Well, there's a very big like Guy Pierce memento, Chris Nolan kind of thing to this, too, where you, you look, oh, maybe that was that. Maybe that was that. Maybe that was that. And you never really know. But it, yeah. it, it really just wants to make you try to get answers to questions or questions to answer that there's the, nothing there. But all right, so you got through school, and then you hit the job market. You entered the real world, right? I graduated in 2008, which was about four or five months before the financial crisis. Uh, yeah, not a great time to graduate just, from just anything. Not, not an ideal way to enter the job market. Right. <laughs> You're welcome, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> So that was just like another layer. There's just a layer of uncertainty of my job situation. I really wanted to stay in Boston. I was, you know, working different jobs, scraping together, you know, freelance opportunities, just anything I could do to be able to pay rent, right. which I was able to do. But on top of that, that's kind of around when the symptoms also began. I was actually moving to a new apartment that fall and I was carrying something heavy. I think it was the desk chair. And I just was going up a flight of stairs. I'm just like, this is a lot more difficult than I remember it being. That whole time between like 2008 when I graduated through like 2011 was just very difficult because it just was a lot happening. I was just trying to, you know, find any stability where I could find it in terms of my personal life, in terms of the disease. And it was just one thing on top of another. And it was just a very difficult time. Right. This is a time in your life where you're supposed to be taking 10 steps forward. It's hard enough to be well at that age in general, yeah. <laughs> especially yeah. 2008. Muscle disease. Yeah, right. Yeah. Let alone dealing with an onset muscle disease. All right. We'll be right back with this version of Christopher Anselmo right after this. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. 
It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. So, Chris, I want to talk about a lot of common threads, and, and I know cancer is vastly different than like muscular dystrophy, but the, the commonalities are very similar. I mentioned before we took the break, it's hard enough being well in your 20s under any circumstance, let alone 2008, but when this crazy stuff comes along, what do you do? And I, I want to walk through, if you can recall, it wasn't that long ago, what was going through your head, and, and did you feel mortality or, or, or frailness or some kind of you talk about vulnerability in some of the stuff you wrote that I want to get to later in the show but what was it like for you to just recognize oh my god this is really happening now it was hard um <laughs> I, I think the hardest part was just reconciling the fact that you think life is going to go one way and then you're come to the realization that it's not going to happen that way and you're not sure is it going to be worse is it going to be better? Is it going to be the same, but just different? And of course, when it started happening to me, I thought it was going to be worse. It was going to be a lot worse. And, you know, it's around that time too, my friends, they're advancing in life, they're advancing in their careers. They've got girlfriends, they're getting married, buying a house, they're having kids. And my worry was just, you know, am I going to make it through the day without falling? And... Again, that, that kind of three-year, four-year period, 2008 to 2011, 2012, I wouldn't say that I handled things the best. <laughs> In fact, I did a lot of things that today I, I realized were very counterproductive. I kind of pushed people away. I wasn't really opening up to them, to my parents. I was kind of, you know, not telling them everything that was going on. I didn't really want them to worry. My friends, I didn't really want them to see me differently or think of me differently. But I also just didn't know how to kind of understand what was happening to me. It was a lot of, of again, there just wasn't that foundation of stability where I could plan it, my life around that. You know, like, oh, okay, like, I'll feel like this today. I know exactly how I'm going to feel. I know I'll be able to do. Therefore, I can do like X, Y, and Z. I can schedule social events or I can... 
go for a walk and I'll be fine. I had none of that stability because I just didn't know what the next step I took. Would that be a step where I would fall to the ground? Would my knees buckle a little bit? Would I, you know, fall and look like a fool? And that just made me very fearful of just of every day, just kind of wondering what was going to happen next, what milestone I would, I would achieve in terms of, of losing an ability. And I just didn't know. There's just nothing seemed to be able to stop the decline. There's nothing I could do that I could, you know, kind of plateau the weakness and buy myself some time. It was just kind of an unrelenting weakness that once it started, never stopped. The corollaries again to having cancer again, vastly different biological situation. But this notion of isolation and guilt and self-image and just your own way of understanding your identity and your own space and how you perceive how other people might perceive you. It's not in your head. It's real. And giving yourself permission to acknowledge that this is what is happening. I'm jumping ahead to jump back. You now work for the Muscular Dystrophy Association. But can you talk about if this even happened? Did you meet a tribe we were able to find in some way? Other, I mean, you're a millennial, but other young adults with this early onset muscular dystrophy uh, condition that gave you some sense of, of solace, of, of identity, of purpose? Yeah, that really kind of came after that period I was talking about. I'd say probably 2012, 2013, I started, I think I really started when I attended a, a conference, a research conference about my particular form of muscular dystrophy. And I spoke to researchers, I was taking part in a clinical study at the time, and they thought that I'd be a good person to share my experience. So I went to the conference, I shared my experience, I talked about kind of my personal disease journey. And through that, I got to meet, there were a few patients that attended, it was mostly a researcher conference, but I got to meet you know, some patients that had this condition. I got to meet researchers working on the condition. And I kind of realized I really should be connecting more with this community. I think, again, early on, I just, I didn't do things right. If I could do it all over again, not that I want to do it all over again, but I would probably not have waited so long to connect with other people. Because I saw the value of being able to share my experience and to have somebody just understand that you don't have to explain every little detail to them to try to get them to understand what you're going through. They just, you kind of look them in the eye and they kind of know exactly what you went through because they're going through it themselves or they went through it a few years back. I was talking about earlier about just I wish I had some sort of foundation, some sort of stability. That kind of became my stability, was being able to have a community of people that I could rely on, that could support me if I was having a tough time, but that also I could help them maybe if they're having a tough time. Or if you know a new patient was diagnosed and they reach out to the community and they want advice on kind of what to do, what not to do, I could be somebody for them perhaps to show them both the good and the bad of kind of how to deal with it. I had many role models of my own that I looked to on how to both mentally and physically deal with this condition. There aren't any you know, drugs or, or clinical trials for the condition, so there wasn't much I could do medically, but there's a lot that, that I could do in terms of my mindset, in terms of lifestyle adaptations that I found to be very helpful, and I found that through this group of people. So I really came to appreciate and understand just how important it is to find other people going through this. People from all walks of life, all ages. So I got to meet people. You know, some people have had this for decades. Some people are just about my age. Um, some people are 30s, 40s, 50s. Everybody kind of had a similar thread of their diagnostic experience or their disease journey that I could, you know, take hold of and, and, and something that I could relate to that I found to be very useful. 
It really is a reconciliation of your identity because you didn't wake up one day and say, I can't wait to get this and meet these people. It was not an aspiration in your life to say, man, I can't wait to go on NordPod and talk about having muscular dystrophy. You know, it, it's, it's giving yourself permission coming from someone who's 26 years out to recognize that it's okay to be drafted into a club you never wanted to join, but being able to find the people who become the handrail that make you your own handrail gives you a platform that you never thought you had, and you are genuinely using that platform now to what we colloquially say, make it suck less for the next you that enters this store you never wanted to shop in. I'd love you to start talking about your writing. You are a very prolific writer. Did you ever fancy yourself a prolific writer? I was always a good writer growing up. I mean, I wouldn't say I was like an amazing writer, but there was something that I, was, I liked in that. Well, I said prolific, not great. I just. <laughs> Fair enough. Prolific in terms of quantity, not quality. Uh, I've yet to win any awards. But some people turn to exercise as kind of their outlet. I turned to writing. It was something that I had kind of let go of for a few years, or maybe I just never got around to it. I didn't find the reason to do it, but. Kind of, again, it almost coincided perfectly with when I attended that conference. Because it's all about just kind of, again, crafting the narrative of what you're going through in your head. And I needed to do that. I needed to do that to be able to kind of fully accept and internalize what was happening to me. I needed to understand it in kind of the larger context of of life. Um, it kind of came to the realization that, you know, just because what I was going through was physical doesn't mean that other people aren't going through something just as difficult. We all kind of have our, our challenges and I, I kind of started to realize, you know what, this is this is kind of the challenge that I have in my life. And w- when I got to that point, that's when I kind of could start to conceive of it in a way where I could start writing about it, where I could start speaking about it. And I just turned back to writing and I realized, you know, this is something that you know, is both therapeutic to me, but I also, when I started doing it, I didn't realize that it was going to have any impact on anybody else. I didn't think I had anything interesting to say, but... You know, I, I shared it on on Facebook, and I, I the the foundation that whose conference I went to, you know, they shared it with their network, and I got connected to other people that say, you know what, I I can relate a lot to your story, or maybe that exact that happened exactly to me. You know, let me tell you about my story, and then all of a sudden, I just started connecting with all these people, and I realized, wait, this has a lot of value, and I really kind of started to embrace sharing my story. Again, it's not something that comes naturally to me. I'm a fairly introverted person. I don't like talking about myself. But I'm willing to do it if it's something that can help other people. Wait, and yet here you are on NordPod talking about yourself, but it's for the right reasons, right? I mean, I've heard advocacy referred to as a terrible privilege. And actually, and they stole that term in Iron Man 1 or Iron Man 2. Like, it's a terrible privilege to be Tony Stark. But, you know, like I said, no one has to be sick and you have an opportunity to take what happened to you that you didn't ask for. So, Chris, don't undersell yourself. I mean, you are a prolific writer, and you are writing uh, quite frequently for the Muscular Dystrophy Association's blog uh, called Strongly. And you're now working for an organization that I can only suppose you wished you had known about when you were ready to sort of accept this new identity for yourself? Yeah, it's funny that I actually work at an organization that I kind of sought to avoid for a while. I knew about MDA. I kind of knew about it growing up because of the telethon. But when it came time to start looking for organizations that might be able to help, that was kind of during my phase where I was just trying to 
avoid things, you know, right. <laughs> around the time I was pushing people away, I just didn't really want to confront what was going on. So I knew about MDA. I knew I should probably eventually register with MDA, but I just kept pushing it off till I just decided one day, you know, I need to be proactive and I finally registered. So it's kind of ironic to think that several years later, I'm now working for MDA, but you know, MDA's site does have a blog. It's, I think just recently been rebranded as quest, but you know, it, it was a great opportunity again, kind of what I was talking about before in terms of meeting other people. I got to meet other people who didn't just have my particular disease. They had other forms of muscular dystrophy. But a lot of those commonalities are the same in terms of the emotional component of it, of people that either had a diagnosis from birth or a diagnosis in adulthood. Their lives may have been turned upside down or they've just had to constantly navigate life with a muscle disease. It has, you know, its difficulties, but also has its life rewards. I'm not saying it's an amazing thing to have, but like, you know, there are things in, in, in this journey, this experience that you get to see life in a different way. And sometimes that can be beneficial. You appreciate a lot of the small things in life. You get to connect with other people. And I just found all of that to be very therapeutic, very helpful and helping me to just accept that, okay, this is my lot in life. This is what I have. And it allowed me to become more proactive, more productive, and helped me to orient myself towards starting to think about again, what goals do I want to achieve in life? Has anybody else done this before? Can I kind of emulate their trajectory, their path? And if so, you know, you know, how did they do it? And I started to see that there were people um, that had done all these wonderful, amazing things and just did it differently than maybe somebody that didn't have muscular dystrophy did them. As you're meeting new people who are probably grateful that you exist because they're who you wished you had met earlier on. It's easy to say, oh, don't do what I did. But in terms of how you are, just your story, just being here, I mean, you're 18 years out, like your your diagnosis can like join the army. I'll put it that way. You know, it can vote. Yeah. You can totally vote and join the army. How do you approach the next use. They're coming in, you're working with the organization. It is a phenomenal community. It's very tight-knit. I know many people that are amongst the MD universe and do support the telethon and uh, it's very tribal, but do you have any one or two specific, you know, don't do what I did, but nicer version of that when you meet the next gen? How would, or how have you, how have you helped somebody that might've been in your shoes from like a few years ago? Like, like I mean, like, that's true. I have met people that, you know, are kind of like the young adult version of who I was. I don't know how that gets framed into a question, but I, I think I think I know what you're trying to. You're trying to get well, into. I mean, all right. So let, let's let's role play for a sec. Like, yeah. you know, you're at a conference, you're, you're an MD event, and some 18 year old walks up to you and says, "You know, I, I'm new to the club. What can you tell me? How 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 yeah. how, how would you serve them?" That there are ways to achieve goals in life. There are ways to live a full and productive life to thrive. It may look a little different than the way that you had maybe originally expected, or it may just be open to the possibility that there are other ways to achieve the same goals. I think when I was diagnosed, especially when I started to have the symptoms, mostly when I started to have the symptoms and I thought, oh my God, my life is ending. I failed to see that there were people out there that have done all the things I wanted to do. And I think part of the reason I was struggling was I just didn't even think it was possible. So that I couldn't, you know, embrace the fact that okay, I could still do this. It just might be a little bit more difficult. I just thought that it wasn't possible at all. Before I went to business school, I, again, I, I didn't wasn't really sure if I could go, if I'd be able to handle it. I thought it'd be too taxing. 
I had a doctor tell me, you know, I have another patient that just got his law degree or I, he had another patient that went to Harvard Business School. So I got to see, oh, wait a minute, you know, somebody has done that. And it made me think, you know, okay, if that is possible, what are the steps that it took to achieve that? Got it. And I began to start thinking of things in terms of here's this goal. Can I kind of reverse engineer how to achieve that goal? And I started to see that all of these things that I wanted to do were still possible. It just required a little extra planning, a little asking people for help. You know, that wasn't something that came naturally to me. But, you know, just figuring out like, okay, I'll need help here. I'll need help here. I'll need to do this ahead of time. And that kind of thing. I was, I was able to kind of see that a lot of what I was, had wanted to do that I thought was impossible still was. Just again, it had to be done a different way. And that was really kind of an enlightening moment for me in helping me to, again, internalize and accept what was happening. And you were worried you didn't have an answer. <laughs> that was great. Christopher Anselmo, at least this variant of Christopher Anselmo on the show today, is the Director of Market Intelligence at the Muscular Dystrophy Association and himself a muscular dystrophy patient advocate. Thank you so much for sharing your story and coming on NordPod. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. That's all for now. If you like this show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. Tell us your rare disease story in your own voice by leaving a message for us at 855-AUDIO-66, and we might just use it in a future show. NordPod is a product of the National Organization for Rare Disorders and Offscript Health. Our executive producers are Matthew Zachary, Leslie Nordstrom, and Andrew McDowell. Our senior producers are Valerie Mockin and Noah Jones. NordPod is recorded by Matthew Zachary and mixed and edited by Kyle Moore. Our theme music is by the Salvatones. Learn more about the music of the Salvatones at salvatones.org. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscriptnot.com. That's media at offscript.com. Or visit us on the web at offscript.com. For more information about Nord, visit nordpod.org.